We only have the special guest come on here for more than one appearance. Ryan Rosillo back on the Bad Signal podcast about a year and a half later. That episode that we did, I can remember vividly. It was right after New Year's. We were talking about like fasting and intermittent fasting and juicing and you setting up barbell racks in your garage and all that fun stuff. We had a very heated conversation about the Celtics. And wouldn't you know, about nine months later, my hatred for the Celtics landed me in Miami to work for the Miami Heat. So now we have a series that's coming up. Depending on what's going to happen in Milwaukee with the Celtics and the Bucks, the Al Horford game, we'll get to all of that. Ryan Rosillo, welcome to the Bad Signal podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. I didn't know that it was pure hatred for the Celtics. I mean, that's what's how did that happen? It's not. Well, I think I told you this. So when I was 16 years old and they traded Antoine Walker, ironically, to Miami, that spurred the feistiness of me calling into sports radio nonstop like harassing Dale and Holly being like, this was a huge, huge mistake. And they told me I was a woman. I wasn't allowed on air. And hey, who said that Dale and Holly on the air said that to you. The producers wouldn't let me. I was 16 calling into EI. I mean, like you can't do this anymore. They said I was a woman. I wasn't allowed on air. FCC rules. I had to be 18. This is how old are you kid? Oh, you're 16. Nope. So um, I wrote my college essay about calling into EI. It was, I was uh, furious about Danny Ainge. It's always just kind of been in my blood. That was blood. his first thing, though. That was his first, That was like the worst. I, I don't, I mean, you were that out on Ainge that quickly. I was, I was very out on Ainge at a very young age. <laughs> I guess so. A very young age. I think I was just, I was born to, uh, to be a, a Pat Riley follower. Can I tell you a funny story about last night? So. <laughs> yes. I wanted to do a, a feature piece. I, I work for uh, the Miami Heat Radio Network and um, help out with a bunch of stuff down here with the broadcast team. And um, I, I wanted to do a feature on right when we started the playoffs to do everyone's favorite playoff saying, white hot or this. And I was thinking, I was like, Pat Riley, burn the boats. That's such an epic quote. I remember it from the 2013 finals and um, against the Spurs and this. So me thinking, not looking up the origin of the, of the term, I was thinking last night, I was like, game five, there's no turning back. There's no turning back. So I come in there, I'm telling all my bosses, I'm like, we burning the boats today? We so I was like, we can't turn back. And Jason Jackson's like, Courtney, I, I believe that's correct. But listen, in, in foreign times, we would go to foreign lands. You would land there, you'd burn the boats because there's no, we need the boat to get back to Philly because we have a game six to go play. So it's like, scratch that. We need the boats. Don't burn the boats. Don't burn the boats. What is your favorite playoff saying? Or your Pat Rileyism? Uh, Pat Rileyism? I don't. I don't know if I have any. I'm not. Um, I'm not. I don't study at the altar of Pat, uh, like, like Dade County. But um, I'm trying to think. Like, whenever I see the shirts, though, I'll look and be like, "Ooh, white hot." Like, "Ooh, okay, all right." These guys meet in business, and then. The college, like during the tournament, it was ball in. And I was like, wait, Michigan, like they have to be ball in, but then also this other school is ball in. So I was like, okay. Um, some of them are te- like ja- the jazz take note. I can't tell if that one's great or terrible. I just, take note? yeah, it just says take note. So every team has their thing. And, and Utah's was, is always take note. Well, so here's, a, here's the funny thing that I read this, um, this anecdote 
this morning about Sean Kemp talking about Larry Bird and how great he was at trash talking. So 30 years later, Sean Kemp, he came into the league and broke a bunch of Larry Bird's rookie records. And they finally met up and Larry said, oh, you're the little punk who broke all my records. I have something to show you tonight. He dropped 40 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and he called every single shot. So maybe that's kind of like the take note. But I feel like you have to you have to play a good game or have something to take note from. You can't just like take notes on the fly. Yeah, I mean, I obviously take note means like we're here and then our symbol is a note because it's actually our franchise is from New Orleans, which never really made a ton of sense anyway. That they like back then you used to just have to keep the thing. Didn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Like if Miami had started in Montana, it might be the Miami Cowboys. And you'd be like, that doesn't that's weird. Yeah. Um, but luckily now they updated that and they changed it around. But yeah, the the so what yeah, so the Miami Heat's white hot, right? Is that what it is? And then they it's, wear the white. It's white hot. So yeah, yeah. so the, I th- I believe the Without- um the origin of this it started many years ago. They did like playoff themes, they did like a black, they did a red out, and then they did white, and then they started winning. So I think that was back in, I believe it was back in 2006. So that kind of stuck. And it's uh I mean, like what's more Miami than white linens right. that and I what's- can't What's going on with that couple there, the Met Gala couple that's that's been courtside for all these playoff games? Have you oh, the Met Gala. So, so that girl, she is uh, Radmila Lola, I believe yeah. her name is. Wow. She is a season ticket holder. She is a uh, Russian opera singer, and she actually sang the national anthem. It was during the Laker game. It was that weird game that was like a one o'clock game on a Sunday with LeBron. And so she's yeah, she she's always there. She's always in crazy costumes. She, she's Russian, so you can look her up. Her name is Redmila Lola. That's the best answer so far, because I was like, oh, you're on it. You're plugged in. I, listen, that's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> Speaking of big bucks, Brady's television gig. Do you, ha- do you, do you oppose to this? Well, I don't, I'm not I'm, against anybody in our industry making money, you know? So, But I think what's happening is we're seeing that the very top is – it's a lot, lot like, you know, a reflection of the, the economy in, in our country. But the the networks have just basically said it doesn't matter. Like, we don't care. We're going to pay the very, very top. We're not going to do these experimental things. Although Brady, in a way, is experimental when he's mm-hmm. never done it before. Um, but, you know, it's more personality driven. You know, it's, it's not going to be that hard unless you have no personality whatsoever. But it's just very telling that the networks recently across the board have gone. We're going to pay whatever we need to pay to get this right, or at least have that, that name that gets people excited. Um, and I do think that that hurts kind of like the middle class of some of the companies. Like when I think about, you know, when I hear about friends and salaries and different contract offers and all that kind of stuff, it's like, well, the money has to come from somewhere. Um, so these, these top end NFL broadcasting things like this is, this is nuts right now. I mean, that deal 37 million, like, I don't even know where you go from like the start when you say if we're almost 30, then I'm worth this because I won a Super Bowl. Well, I guess so because they said yes to it. So there you go. I, I I'm just wondering why Jim Rome still garners. A I don't think that was right. Yeah, I don't think way. that's right either. I'd like that's uh, I, I how for Rome. CBS Sports. I don't even. I I think that man. When was the last time that I saw him? I feel like he did. He did like he did like a, a random. He would do random stand-ups or something, and he'd be like by the beach, but. I think that was like maybe only one segment as a part of the weekend CBS Sports Network um, or CBS Sports pregame show. 
Like, I don't, I don't even think he's. Yeah. I, I think the thing with Rome that he did and he was really smart about it. I, and I don't know this cause I don't know him at all, but I, I believe what I was told was that in the very beginning, he kind of owned the rights to his show so that when it was simulcast throughout the West coast, like that's how he made a ton of money. So mm-hmm. like that number could have been at the time nuts, like certainly more so than somebody like me who just worked at ESPN, got paid to do a show. And then that's what my job was. Yeah. But I think he kind of did far more ownership in the beginning of it. So I don't know if there's some weird, you know, I don't know that it's like residuals or something because it's not like music that people are playing over and over again, but maybe, maybe the number is bigger than people think. But I, a lot of people kind of hit me up after and was like, did you see this thing that was going around from the athletic? And I go, yeah, I don't, I don't, there's a lot of people that were like, that's not that, it's not an accurate number anymore, but I don't know. I mean, look, celebrity net worth is all over the place. So. Yeah. Do, do you feel like some of these, broadcasts and I, I know people who have been exerting frustration um, or just expressing frustration about the Apple TV deals with the baseball. It was like, I think the, the last couple of games they were at Fenway park and people, at least on my timeline are like, where's the Red Sox game? And they're like, Apple TV. See ya. <laughs> are we going to get to the point where there's so many streaming services, it's going to do a disservice to the sports fan. I think that's a, a legitimate question, at least for me. I mean, I know my mom subscribes to every single HBO Max, Hulu, you know, but she's retired. <laughs> she can pay $300 a month for all that stuff to go get her TV shows. But I, I, I like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stretching out the bank to go, to go do that. Well, you know, I think it's about survival right now for all these companies and, and I'm just a, a moderate level of, of understanding of it, but you know, there is such a boom for content creators uh, over the last, last few years. Like if you had any kind of track record, people were getting deals left and right. I mean, there's mm-hmm. all sorts of money flying around for people trying to figure out a way to stand out. And there you have Netflix. It felt like they were, they were dominating it. And then, you know, you see what happened to them recently with their stock being under earnings and people being like, wait a minute, is this thing not taking over? So it's so competitive right now um, that ultimately, and I remember, you know, having meetings at ESPN about this and it was cool because at a certain point, like I got to a level where, you know, some of the top people would talk to me, you know, once every six months or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about live rights and, it's something I always repeat to everybody. And it's like, okay, the Apple deal with baseball was what a hundred million for the Friday games. Yeah. Um, there's no replacing live, right? So even if traditional ratings creep down, it, I, I, it doesn't matter. And that's why the, the franchises are going for so much because of the TV deals, because the TV deals are completely fueled by the fact that all of these other competing devices, all these other streaming platforms, all of these, that none of it has to be live. Almost none of what we watch has to be live. So sports is almost, I think it's like a 99% live audience still. Yeah. So even if a traditional rating, say you were like getting a 12 for whatever, and then it were an eight, it still might be more valuable than the 12 because all of these other places are fighting over each other. So I think the consumer part of it is very frustrating trying to figure out the deal. And yeah, the Apple thing is new. So then of course, everybody's going to complain. You can't find your game. But that's why baseball got 100 million. That's why the owners got, you know, the money to put it out there. And that's why Apple was like, we need something that's live and in the moment. And then baseball was probably the cheapest option for a Friday. Yeah. Well, I'm not really following so much baseball because the the Red Sox, it actually, it's funny, the 2012 Red Sox with Bobby Valentine at a better record, have a better record than this current baseball team. 
I know that they did beat the uh, the Braves last night, but um, I mean, are you are you big on the Dodgers out there? Are you still following the Red Sox? I mean, what what's your what's your what's your temperature temperature flavor? What's the Ryan Rosillo flavor on uh, on baseball? I get really into baseball at the very start because the basketball is finishing up, you know, the regular season, which is a little rough. Teams are tanking and, you know, some guy yeah. will get like 50 and you're like, what's going on? Um, and we're just kind of figuring out the jockeying for playoff position. So I still watch it, but I get really excited about the start of baseball because, but then once the playoffs start up, it's harder for me to stay on it. Um, I'll probably jump back in again this weekend only because it's starting to lighten up a little bit on the playoff part of it. This is a very tough baseball stretch. So I'll pick it back up. I'm still very much into the Red Sox. Um, it's not like I'd be rooting for the Dodgers. Uh, you know, there's never, ever going to be another baseball team. Although I would admit, because I have a very close friend that's on the Blue Jays staff that every now and then I'll wear the Blue Jays hat. And it was funny because yeah. I was out, I don't know, a couple months ago or something like that. And I had this Blue Jays hat. And I just like it. And I like that my friend is on the team and, you know, I, I want him to do well, but I'm not rooting for the Blue Jays against the Red Sox in the series, but I just wear the hat every now and then and I'll wear it on the podcast and then. I don't know. Some guy was like, I thought you were from Mass. He was like super upset, super upset mm. that I was wearing a Blue Jays hat. I was like, you know what, man? Like, you know, like, I didn't try to move the Patriots to Hartford 20 years ago. Why don't you relax? It's just a hat. And so I'm still very much into it. This season's been really disappointing. But I also think it's not – like I thought last year was as much fun as I've had as even some of the World Series years. Not 04, but – I loved last year's team. I loved how unexpected it was. Uh, even myself watching him, Courtney, I'd be like, they're not this good. Like, this is crazy. And then they go on a roll. The bat shut down against Houston in the middle of the series. So that was disappointing. Yeah. And I went back to New England, too. Like, I was staying at home. I was with my family. So we were kind of doing our old routine. And, you know, the whole day was just mapped around the Red Sox game and beating Tampa, beating the Yankees and all that kind of stuff. I was so. It was so much fun, but the whole time I'm like, I just don't feel like this team's pitching is that good. And so, and I thought two years ago was literally disgusting what that team did. So you package it all up. I'm I'm disappointed, but I'm not entirely shocked because I couldn't believe how good they were last year. And when you factor in how great the East is, the AL East, uh, you know, they're probably, look, they shouldn't be this bad, but they're not more talented than Toronto or New York. And, and probably even so much with the arms of Tampa as well. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, the Orioles are kind of the, uh, the surprising, the surprising team in the East. Uh, you know, I've actually made a lot, I've made a, made a, a, a pretty penny sometimes on, on their money line bets because they Wait, were, so you big, big O's positions. No, I mean, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm like just observing the East and I, I, I had, I have the Toronto blue Jays running away with uh, the, the East I know that you, yes, we have Aaron Judge, and he absolutely, what he did, the gritty after he hit a knockoff, was like a, a walk-off home run and into the moon. And um, But the Orioles, I mean, they feast on on uh, left-handed pitching. They're pretty, they're they're not bad. They're they're really not not bad. I, I don't know. I just don't. Um, the, the Bobby Dahlback experiment for the Red Sox is just, um, it needs to, it needs to end. Yeah, I'm worried about the story signing because it splits Colorado. I was worried about the rotation last year when it looked like they might be in the World Series. So um, to see like the rotation at times has kind of carried a, a bullpen that, you know, bullpens are really weird. And I, when I was really, really into it, you know, coming out of working in baseball uh, as a minor league announcer, nothing cool enough like being in the front office or anything. But you just were once you understood that, you know, a lot of the a lot of the arms like the the variance of success for relievers is just all over the place. Yeah. Um, so to just say, hey, we're going to be fine because we were fine last year, really the case. And 
the story signing is even more alarming if it's just a precursor to them not wanting to pay Bogarts. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of had a feeling, oh, you know, Trevor Story, is, he's going to feast on, on the monster in Fenway. I haven't seen it so much yet. <laughs> you, no, you it's know, been bad. It's so. been very bad. It's been very bad. Listen, Justin Pedroia is not walking through that door. That's all, that's all I got to say. No, really <laughs> Ryan Rosillo is actually, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, he is wearing um, a, a, a camo sweatshirt, just like mine. I he am. actually got on camera. We yep. sat here and I was like, oh my God, like-minded souls were both wearing camo this morning. And he was like, nah, fuck this. Forget it. I'm switching the sweatshirt. He said that he wanted to switch the sweatshirt because he, was, he wasn't as nice as mine. Uh, I... I, I think you look fantastic this morning. I appreciate you getting up. I know it's bright and early. I couldn't move today. I, I I'm this some of some of these games. Just wait until we get into the Eastern Conference Finals. If the Miami Heat can take care of business on Thursday in Philly, let's let's talk a little bit about that game last night. How, is this more so on? Doc Rivers, or are you part of the notion that Doc Rivers is, you know, not really controlling this team? It's, you know, I've heard a lot of criticism from Sixers fans saying Doc is, you know, his rotations are terrible and he wants to start DeAndre Jordan instead of Joel Embiid. And Embiid came back and, you know, and really just gave them a nice B12 vitamin boost shot right in the butt to, um, you know, to, to get back into the series. But that looked like a team to me. Embiid minus 29, Harden minus 29 on the floor. It looks like they were they had the same energy of like the second night of a back-to-back. I thought it was terrible last night. Uh, just terrible. And, you know, the series has been really hard for me to figure out because without Embiid, you're like, okay, Miami's going to beat him. And that's exactly what was happening. Yeah. Uh, it's a free run for Bam because if they want to go with DeAndre Jordan, when he's been on the floor, I think the Heat's offense is like 149 points per 100 possessions, which is really, really good for an yeah. offense and terrible for a defense. And then Doc, you know, I understand the criticism about it because now we're talking about playoff resumes that aren't very good. I always thought Doc's best uh, ability as a coach was that he just had a mindset of relatability as as a player who understood stars. I think he's really good with guys that are of a certain stature, but the playoff resume is what it is. And despite the title, there's some really head-scratching series in there. So when he was going with DeAndre Jordan, I actually wasn't surprised because I feel like coaches kind of always default to the vet. And he even himself, when he brought him back to start that second half, he said he asked the team and the team said, we want to keep him there, keep him there in roles because it, it'll open some things up for us offensively. You know, I don't know, but the numbers at the rim against DeAndre Jordan have been really bad. I mean, it's actually kind of surprising. He's probably even in a rotation. So here's what's funny about that is that they are, they're playing him. And even though Paul Reed brings all this energy, he's still smaller and he fouls all the time. Yeah. When Embiid came back, Paul Reed played and DeAndre Jordan didn't. <laughs> so you're yeah. like, wait. So the minutes were so bad with DeAndre Jordan, but you kind of kept doing it. So I understand those criticisms. But last night, I just, I don't understand it. Um, I don't believe that Embiid all of a sudden was upset because he didn't win the MVP. Yes, he knew for weeks he wasn't winning the MVP. All right. Yeah. Everybody knew that Jokic was winning this thing. Yeah. So I don't believe the the idea or, you know, the the stuff they were talking about during the broadcast on TNT that he played so poorly last night because he was just overcome with (laughs) disappointment. Um, I thought they were so flat. I thought they were lazy. I mean, look, I've I've been on this Harden thing forever now. 
I don't understand how he's wired. I mean, maybe I do understand how he's wired, but I, I can't. You can have bad games. The best players in the NBA have bad games, have really bad yeah. playoff games. Um, you know, that's why we spend so much time praising Jordan and Magic, and Magic's a little different because of scoring. But, like, LeBron's played 266 career playoff games. He's had single digits twice, 266. But that's – like, Jimmy Butler was awesome last night, but we know he could still have that back in because he's not LeBron, right? Like, he's – and be, you know, all these – Tatum, all these guys, right? Chris Paul, who I love, you know, he's going to have a bad playoff game. He just is. So for Harden, who can have a bad shooting game, but then have all these other elements of the game that he's just not interested, closeouts in the corner that Jimmy Butler chased down where he got the offensive rebound and dunked it off the missed layup. He just, Harden just let him run right past him and then get in front of him. Then, of course, Harden's pointing up for offensive interference. So I've always been very concerned with the mindset of a player like Harden, who is okay from either a lack of pride or not being competitive or whatever it is like that he could play badly on purpose in two different cities in Houston and Brooklyn in back-to-back years within like 13 months of each other and be like, I want to play so bad on purpose so that you have to get rid of me. When you have that wiring, I don't like you as a player. And then right. I, and I see him in game five, a huge spot. He finally had a good game in game four. He finally Courtney had that really big second half that it was because we know he's capable of dropping jumpers and 35 and the assist. We know what he's capable of, but you can miss shots, but be engaged the rest of the game. And he just doesn't ever seem to want to be. So then you see it playing out. It spreads throughout the team and bead gets hit in the eye again, which was the ball. It wasn't a foul. It can't yeah. a foul on the ball. So, you know, I understand he's upset. It hurts broken, horrible bones, a tough pain to deal with. But I couldn't believe the entire – like Miami just ripped their soul out of them last night. But I'm not sure they were even ready to play either. Yeah. I also was observing a lot of people saying that, you know, oh, the reason that Harden even really had that big game, okay, James Harden is back, is because when Embiid comes, um, he opens up more space on the floor. Like he really he really vibes with Embiid in, in that sense. And we, we saw, you know, he's uh, Embiid is always in the paint ready to contest. I didn't know if he – maybe he's, uh, he's slightly timid about, um, you know, the injuries. I mean, he's playing with multiple injuries. Credit to him. And I that was a hard moment to watch when he went down. It's just like you, you just got to feel for the guy. Just I think defensively – everything that that bam really just stepped up to the challenge i think it was less about you know james being lazy and james was going to play his game um i i think the i think the x factor last night was was bam on, on both sides of the floor yeah bam's one of my favorite players in the league and you know this is the one you know after game three and mb came back you know i always feel like you can know i mean clearly bam and Embiid have played against each other and you can mm -hmm. know how daunting it can be but like it's a little bit like the the Tatum thing in Game Three. Like Wesley Matthews gets it back in Milwaukee. Wesley Matthews, who you thought at one point, like you know, is he really a rotation guy? And yet he comes in with this ferocity, and it kind of took Tatum an entire game to go all right. And then he came in at Game Four, and you could see that Tatum was more assertive. He was he was making quicker yeah. decisions. He knew, okay, if this is what you're going to do to me, I need to adjust. Some players can figure out a quarter. Sometimes it takes the entire game. They get to sit and think about it for two days and then come back. And I think for Bam. It was a little of that maybe, you know, game three wasn't very good because it was like, oh, wait, this isn't DeAndre Jordan. It's not yes, Paul Reed. Exactly. And I'm going to have to figure this out. But what what Jimmy has done the last two games, you know, almost yeah. keeping him in, in game four. And, you know, it's not just his scoring. It's the full attitude. Like the best versions of Jimmy are somebody you want on your team and the worst versions of them are somebody that you're like, all right, we're ready to move on. 
Um, but I always felt like Miami could probably handle him a little bit better than anyone else could. And they would get over it because of Spo and because of the, the structure of the team, the whole deal, even if, you know, the blow up during the regular season, we felt like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, I, I wasn't so worried about that. And I think a lot of people internally here were not really so worried about, um, you know, that that whole blow up at Udonis Haslam says you should see his other practices. It's even worse. <laughs> the The funny thing is I got to saw another stat this, this morning that Max Struess has the highest plus minus percentage of all players in the postseason. How do you not give credit to Adam Simon and or Eric Glass and the Heat's G League development program? Can you can you talk a little bit to that extent? Uh, you've got a bunch of undrafted players, and um, you know how 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 well Gabe Vincent has been playing um, just in in the in the in the space of of Kyle Lowry being out and not being available. Uh, this has been a consistent factor for the Heat. I mean, they've been missing their superstars at various points in the season, and. Um, just talked a little bit to the um, to the development of of you know the Heat with Simon and Glass. I'm blown away by those guys because you know I had George Shadano on this season in the middle of the year because you're watching Struess do his stuff. Um, your seven even I thought was playing like really good minutes for him. Basically, mm -hmm. their top three guys, like a lot of teams, by the way, a lot of teams that missed their players. But I think when you looked at it when it's all said and done with Miami, like their top three guys missed. I don't know, almost 20 plus percent of the season. Yeah, I, th so. I think it was, I think there was one point of that um, because Bam went out December 1st, was out six weeks. Jimmy was out with various ankle sprains and then he had a tailbone issue that he re-injured twice. Um, Lowry had the personal reasons. And I think there was one point maybe in February that they had only played 12 games together. The entire season. Yeah, we are it's crazy. It's kind of like the different. new the new NBA the last couple of years too. Yeah, it's like there's all these teams that you're going. All right, well, you haven't really been together as much as I'd like. And normally I would just write that off, but now it's kind of the new reality of it. So back to the Miami front office. You know, it's one thing to pick the stars and for them to see the Bam part of it because Bam was was certainly a lesser version coming out of Kentucky. But then like Struess, Vincent. I mean, even Nunn when they brought him in. Yeah. Um, Caleb Martin. Uh, yeah. Caleb who two way. You know, right. I mean, he, he, I'm shocked that in a way, like when I've watched he and his brother play and Grant is a little different because Caleb had been in the league, but yeah, he just seemed to figure out exactly how to, how to fill in those gray areas and yeah. they're better at it than any other franchise. And it's been necessary too. Now, I mean, you can even bring in the Duncan Robinson part of it, which I know, you know, it's been a super disappointing stretch here and he finally got some minutes, but their track record is incredible um, with figuring out guys that can play. And it's not just, hey, we, we stink, we're going 25 and 57, and here's a nice little story of a guy who may stick in. Like you're coming in and playing real competitive minutes in games that matter. Maybe that's part of it too, but they're terrific. Yeah. What do you do with Duncan Robinson at this point uh and you know and, and how hard do you think it, it was for for him to sit um I I know that it's it probably was a, there's no one that loves Duncan Robinson more than Eric Spolstra and I I think that um well really the emergence of it was the emergence of, of Max Struess defensively and and his ability to um you know to work both sides of the floor I think that that was kind of the deciding factor the consistency factor for him but um I what do you do with Duncan you know, it's bad right now, but it doesn't mean it's it's over. Uh, he's too good of a shooter, even yeah. though, you know, I know this year is not really the case. Uh, I'd be surprised if all of a sudden he just can't shoot. I also think he works so hard um, while he's on the court. You know, his off-ball cuts and that kind of stuff. Like, whenever I first started kind of learning about him, I'm like, this guy's unbelievable. Like, yeah. his off-ball 
like movement and aware like this guy he was born to be a warrior um but you know hero who's definitely expanded his game you know like they run the offense through him at times but we know yeah. defensive liability i think because of that my guess would be that spo likes you know however you know you're always trying to worry about like if you have some real liabilities on defense like how many can i have out there and especially in the playoffs you like you'll see another team if they're really tuned into it they're like okay we're gonna attack this this and then it's like oh wait we have two options to attack like we can't do this let's mm -hmm. try to hide one and then bring in a defensive guy so my guess would be with the duncan thing slipping the way it has and the hero numbers not great defensively that they're probably feeling like however they're cycling out and staggering the minutes that it's it's just harder to survive with with maybe duncan out there as well if he's not offering you the shooting the struces at this point but i'm not i'm not ready to like write them all people oh he's untradeable the contract all stuff like no way yeah like stuff happens they'll figure it out i you know i just think it's a bad stretch for him and it's unfortunate does uh does tyler hero get a max deal in the next couple of years like how well, expensive is he gonna be you know i always kind of feel like um you know, we can say this player isn't worth this much money, you know, whatever the max deal ends up being. I know the cap's going up like a million. Yeah. Uh, but what you always have to remember, it's kind of like quarterbacks, right? Quarterbacks, you're not so much paying for the quarterback and how good you think he is. You're paying that he solves your problem of the position. And that if I say, oh, well, I don't think you're worth 30, I'd like to pay you 20. But you're like, well, but if I don't pay you 30 and then I have to find somebody <laughs> – so how how is that going to work? So I'll use the DeAndre Ayton example. Like there's times where I watch him and you go, okay, maybe Robert Sarver, the owner of the Suns, who's a historically incredibly cheap owner. Yeah. Um, maybe he goes, well, wait, if we don't really pass the Ayton a lot and we don't, you know, he's not like the focal point of what we're doing here. Do I really have to max this guy? And I also think too, because the way the cap space, I'm giving you too long of an answer here, Courtney, but I promise I'll bring it back to hero. No, no, no. It's, you, you ramble, you ramble your own way. So we're on Ryan Russillo away. Ryan if, Russillo NBA away. If you're, if you're Phoenix and you're saying, well, why do I have to give you the full max a year before I actually need to, like, we could just let this play out. Yeah. Even though, you know, teams worry about the, the feelings and all that stuff. And, and Phoenix is like, why don't you just go ahead and get a restricted offer somewhere else and we'll just go ahead and match it? Because we don't think you're going to want to sign a restricted offer with Detroit, San Antonio, the Pacers. Um, you know, Oklahoma City is actually not under the cap, but like whatever. There's the, the teams that are under the cap, it's not that many and they're not really great landing spots. All right. So having said all that, um, I look at it as, okay, but what would it take, especially for a team that's still like in their window, what would it take for you to find a DeAndre Ayton type on the market, especially yeah. once you're over the soft cap anyway. Like it doesn't happen. It doesn't mean, oh, now we get to spend 30 million on somebody else. No, no, no. You you pay eight and more than you want to because it's better than the option of trying to find somebody with far less resources. Yeah. So that's why I say all of that stuff about any contract and what hero ultimately would be worth. Like Max obviously seems ridiculous. Yeah. But Usually I factor in like 25 extra percent on whatever I think the price is because there's like some real ego stuff comes into this too. He's a really nice player. I really like him. That's too yeah. much. But usually the team, although Miami, you never know what them because they'll be like, no, nah, we're actually going to figure this out and do something yeah. differently. Uh, I kind of always default to, yeah, the guy's going to get his money because you can't ever afford 
losing someone knowing that you don't just get to replace that guy with the same resources. It seems like the NBA doesn't really have that much of an issue of, of overpaying guys. You know, and some of these contracts that are coming out are just absolutely ridiculous, especially if a guy like James Harden is trying to still get a max deal while falling on his face. You know, do you think he'll, uh, he'll, he'll put out a max effort in game six while they lose and be like, see, I'm, I'm worth, I'm worth the 60 million. I don't know what's going to happen in this series night to night, but that was really alarming. Last yeah. I don't think Daryl Morey gets rid of him. I don't think there's any way in hell. That's like, his he's not going to just let him walk. No, he's not. He's not. I, so I, I think that they pay him much to the, you know, the uh, anger yeah. of Sixers fans. I listen. I, I don't. I don't think Maury lets him go. Sixty plus million in twenty twenty seven for Harden is is just thinking about that five years from now. It's like if he looks like this now, but in, and by the way, in game five or excuse me, game four, he was like, oh wait, he kind of looks like. I don't think you know. Look, he's never going to be the Houston guy from four years ago. Yeah. I don't know why there'd be anyone prevent or present evidence that it would happen, but. Uh, I don't mind any of these guys getting paid. I don't like good for you. Get the money. Doesn't need, like I'd rather go to them and go to the owners. But yeah, uh, I I have to think there's a relationship thing there with Maury and Harden, unless Harden's you know going to demand something that. And Maury also very likely knowing him, he might just go, "Hey, here's all your money," and then you know he'll go, "I can figure out a way to trade you later." Yeah, or I won't be here in four years. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Listen, he's Mr. Analytics. Mr. Analytics. What book was I reading? Oh, I was reading. Um, I was reading. Uh, you know what? I, I can't. The help. It, it wasn't the help. It was the first chapter of the Undoing Project. Oh, okay. Different and it job. was about Daryl Morey and, and analytics. Ironically, it was weird. It had nothing to do with the story, but he was, you know, making the example of, of you know, analytics and and behavioral, um, you know society of like analytics and i kind of like that psychology type of stuff i'm not really making sense to anyone that's listening to this but uh but great book you did lose me for about 10 seconds i'll admit yeah yeah no i'm, I'm sorry we're both no it's okay i'm here <laughs> ryan russillo on the bad signal podcast brought to you by better edge do you bet you have a little do you have a little yeah. like betting stuff we got a little fan duel uh same game parlay we give out once a week oh but. okay all right are you are you winners or are you losers like with me, I'm almost always like for years that we did it uh, for ESPN. It's comical. Guys will just laugh at how often I'm 500. Like, well, listen, that's normal. You just fall back to the mean. Yeah. Fall back to the so mean. I'm like, I'm like an amusement like yes. part where you just pay and then you get in, you have the experience and then you just leave with your experience. So, you know, you don't, you don't get to buy fancy clothes, but you also aren't worried about lying to your wife about the car payment either so. listen i i think i think that you're just like every every average dude that goes to vegas you win some you lose some well if you want to go to betteredge.com to uh place a bet you get 20 dollars using the code courtney and uh, i have to drop that in there because they are a sponsor and I, i'm not saying you're looking with your Let eyes know. You're yeah. like, listen, the fan duel a fan duel you can drop your fan duel code in there ryan what are your thoughts on um flip-floppers National media members who are flip-floppers, and I'm looking at you, Kendrick Perkins, Mr. I can't wait to come to Miami, and he's messaging me, as well, we're going to get crazy in South Beach and this, and the Heat are my dark horse favorite to win it all, and every time I pop on my TV, that guy is like, the Celtics are winning the championship this year. <laughs> what do you think about flip-floppers, man? 
Uh, Kurt, what's the deal? I'm calling you out. I know what the job is, right? I mean, I worked yes. there for 15 years. I know what producers like and producers and, and I think you're better off just coming out and who cares what you said the day before. Just just go with it. How you feel in the moment? That's the best way to do the job. I did it the other way. I was like, oh, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just shooting variants. Those aren't great ways to fill a TV show, great, great ways to fill a radio show. So they uh, kick you out? No, they didn't kick me out. I, I turned down an extension. I know. Uh, I know. We know I wanted, to, I wanted to move. Um, yeah, look, I, uh, I, I just, look, I know what the game is. I know what the game is. So I don't, I don't really pay attention to it. I don't. Like, if I, I would never read a Kendrick Perkins tweet and be like, oh, my God, though, you said this two days ago. I'm, I'm so man. And then tweeted him like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a riot. He's a riot. My friend actually who works for Fox Sports, she had a wedding down here in Miami. Then she's like, you know what? We were talking about Perk and she's from Boston. And she was saying, you know, like, I, I just got to say, like, when he was doing some freelance stuff for Fox Sports, like. You would think that he just kind of goes off the cuff, but he has like pages of notes behind the scenes. He's like, he will read it to the producers and be like, what do you guys think of this take and this? And like, he puts so much time and effort into what he says, um, how he says it. He really is very, very prepared on television. And a lot of people don't know that. So, you know, no, he's good. On t he's, he's good on TV. He's fantastic yeah. on TV, so, but yeah, no, but I, he, I he prepares, he brings it. Right. But I don't, I don't know. I, honestly, I do my thing. I watch the games. I take notes and then I talk and then I, I literally don't care what anybody else has to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. So what do you think is going to uh, going to go down with this? Uh, this Celtics Giannis? I, you know what? I all credit. I was watching that game. Al Horford. I remember when they Man. picked him up and a lot of people were like, why are you bringing this guy back? Oh, it's a trade ploy. There were a lot of rumors that he was just going to be a, a trade piece for someone else big that was going to come down the line. It was going to be, you know, a trading partner. Get rid of Kemba's money too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Al Horford had the game of his life. Uh, going up against Giannis, it, you know, an interesting aspect. It's like Giannis versus the refs. I know that they bailed him out there in game three. Um, but it, it's it's you you have to remember that when Giannis was a rookie or his sophomore season. Giannis was, is, is throwing that hook every time he goes into the ball. And before he was a superstar, he was, he would foul out about every, just about every other game, you know, and now because he's a superstar, he's not getting those calls. Um, you know, it's going to be a slugfest season series. Sorry. <laughs> it's going to be a slugfest series, but um, you know, I, 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 how do you, how do you think, how do you see this playing out um, just in terms of, of Giannis in the paint with the Celtics against the Celtics um, you know, can the rest of their bench kind of step up? Well, the Giannis part of it obviously has to scare the hell out of you. I thought when Middleton went out that Boston should win the series if Boston's yeah. as good as they looked like as they closed. I mean, the second half of the season that Boston had, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wait, what? You know, and there were some minor changes. And I think moving some pieces out gave them better options just by, you know, like giving it to Dennis Schroeder, who in certain roles, maybe as a sixth man, initiating all the offense in the zone like he's capable of doing that kind of stuff but when you're closing mm -hmm. a, a game with the starters and then they're kicking it to you and you're kind of doing your own thing uh, clearly wasn't working um yeah. defensive adjustments with with robert williams all of these things that just kind of came together and i kept thinking like wow 
like they're beating these teams. And I still wasn't sure. Like, and they start first with that record together. I was like, okay, but this team was missing this guy, this team, you know what I mean? I kept like kind of coming up with excuses yes, for why they were turning right. around. And then it just kept happening and and they finished. Um, you know, the numbers would tell you they were the best team in the NBA um from January something on, beginning yeah. of February. And I'm like, I don't know about that because I still thought Phoenix is the best basketball team. So yeah. If all of that was true, which I'll admit I still even in game four was kind of having my doubts again going, oh, you know what, like that was a little. And I still think some of the metric stuff, some of the analytic models that projected them to have like twice as good of a chance of winning a title than anybody else. I thought that was still pretty aggressive for even a team to finish that way. But against Giannis, it's just not really like you're just going to have helpless moments. I don't care how prepped you are. I don't care about building the wall. I don't care about your help rules. Um, you're going to have helpless moments. You, you just are. And yeah, he travels. A lot of guys travel. And the there's certain moments where he can just physically do whatever he wants. But like, I kind of struggle with, with how I talk about him because I don't want to make it sound like I'm diminishing anything because, you know, I've argued Durant was the best. Durant was the best. I certainly felt like Durant was the best a year ago coming out of that series that the Nets lost. Um, you know, at one point, the Nets were the one seed. It looked like Durant was in the MVP conversation. And I just like somebody that can shoot better than somebody that can't. But the way Giannis is just controlling a game. And I love his ferociousness. I love his attitude. I think sometimes he even exhausts himself because he goes so hard. He's the opposite of some of these other guys that we talk about. So you're just going to have absolutely helpless moments. And, you know, you got to hope that Tatum can keep pace with them and that you're shooting – you're shooting, you know, like the Celtics, I think we're plus 17 and made threes in game two. Like that's the kind of stuff where yeah. if you have that, then you have a chance to win. So it's it's a really good series. It's really physical. Um, the Giannis part of it's incredibly frustrating. If I had a guard him, I'd be so mad about it. Yeah. Like, wait, I get my ass kicked and I get a foul called on me? Like, yeah. Really? Um, but in a way, you know, we start winning MVPs. This is what happens. Yeah. Are you worried about Jalen's consistency? Yeah, I am because I, I felt like for Boston, he's the key to the series of them because there'll be so much attention on Tatum. Although I felt like a lot of the Tatum stuff that happened in game three was just him not, his not meeting the moment. Um, yeah. But a lot of games when, you know, this isn't complicated. The teams, I, I feel like more so last year, you know, I don't know if it's year plus two years, but teams are selling out against the best ball handler. You know, like, so if Tatum's bringing it up and you're setting a screen to stay with Tatum. I mean, they've been doing this a long time, but I felt like this year was more aggressive than other years that I've seen it. So that means you as the ball hander, knowing they're going to be trapped, extending it out, keeping two with you all the time. Like you have to have a plan. You have to have a counter. And that means usually getting somebody else, hoping that it's this kind of four on three advantage behind the defenders. And Jalen has crushed it at times. And then other times he has not. And I don't know it like, in a weird way, it should be easier for Jalen than it is for Tatum because he's never going to be the focus the way Tatum is when they're both out there at the same time. So I'd say there have been games where I go, oh, Jalen's, you know, looks like an all-star tonight, and this is going to be a Celtics win because he's torching everybody uh, against the pressure against Tatum. And then other times, I, you know, it's it's not – some of the passing will get a little shaky uh, – you know, maybe force it a little bit here or there. But I mean, look, he's an awesome number two. He's an awesome number two. But yeah. him playing well is if he doesn't play well off of Tatum and all his pressure, then the Celtics will lose. Yeah. What about the Bucks role players? Do you do you think they have the capability of stepping up? Um, well, I don't know that Drew's a role player, and I'm saying this here, but he's taken 93 shots, I think, in this series, which is a lot for Drew Holiday. Yeah. And 
you know, we're coming off a year prior to that big shot he hit against the Nets at the end of that series where we were like, what is wrong with Drew Holiday? Like, yeah. Famous money, you trade these, uh, this many resources for Drew Holiday, and this is what you're getting. And then he hits yeah. that big shot, and we realize now, I mean, I think Drew might be a better defensive player than Marcus, to be honest with you. But um, he's being asked to fill this huge Middleton shot attempt role, which it isn't working. The numbers yeah. aren't very good. Um, Brooke Lopez really screws up Boston certain times because you have to keep a big on him in the corner because he's such a terrific shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, but then sometimes I feel like he can get exposed against maybe some smaller pick and roll games, but I don't think Boston's really trying to do that against him. Wes Matthews is one of those guys where you think he's done. It's a little like PJ Tucker or PJ in Houston. You're like, oh, he's probably done. And then you're like, no, once you get yeah. him into a, a system and, and a team that's playing for something, these guys are energized by it. So if Milwaukee can get back to Giannis, you know, off of misses, that's the biggest thing. I, the, the series for Boston is shoot at a respectable level because if you're missing a ton of shots for a quarter, those guys are going to get out in transition with Giannis once he has a head of steam. There's nothing you can do. And he's been a much better mid-range shooter mm-hmm. from last year to this year for Giannis. And some of the passing and playmaking stuff that he's shown when he does get cut off or he does get trapped, doesn't have an angle to the hoop. Um, the passing this year has been incredible. So if Milwaukee's spaced out and Giannis is running up and down the court, even without Middleton, it's a really daunting task. But I finish with this. There are stubborn still a little. You know, Giannis came back in with 420 left in game three. Yeah. Or, excuse me, game four. Uh, when Boston won even the series. Yeah. Giannis came back. Remember, they took him out for a minute because he was so tired. He'd like yes. to work himself in his yep, yep. He was so tired. So Giannis comes back in. He only took one shot, I believe, from 420 on. And they stopped hunting Jalen Brown on those switches. I think Derek White was out there. who Somebody would have maybe run some action to get him isolated on that side. They just kind of stopped doing it. So um, I thought that was a mistake by them offensively. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, it's it's funny to think that, like, P.J. Tucker was actually on this Milwaukee Bucks team last year. And I know that the, when they opened the, uh, the season – or the first home game was against Milwaukee and PJ was um, he had a lot of things to say uh, behind the scenes. And he was really pissed about the fact that they didn't even, didn't even think to offer him, but I, uh, anything. Um, and he's made his home in Miami. He's just the perfect Pat yes, Riley, perfect. relentless competitor on both ends in the floor. His, his effort is inspiring. It's infectious. And um, were you surprised that, that, that they didn't offer uh, PJ Tucker any? anything after he left or I mean like is this kind of like a win-win situation because Miami I I think he's going to be a heat I feel like Milwaukee sorry for for the order of players that they had to pay I felt like PJ was just behind some of the other guys that they were yeah so I think that's what it had I don't think it was any any lack of belief in PJ Tucker it was just we have different guys that we want to pay are you worried about Kyle Lowry and his uh his hamstring yeah, big time. Because when he was back in game four, he looked he looked bad. Terrible. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not a huge I respect a hell of a Lowry. I just hate watching it. Um what is it Kyle Chaos? You don't like the Kyle Chaos? Kyle Chaos. That's what they call it when he like he'll just yeah, he right. loves to speed up the game. I mean it's it's what do they call it when he was doing the same shit playing for the Raptors? He was like, Oh, this guy's so chaotic. We love it. It's awesome. <laughs> um no, he falls down, he's rewarded for it, and it's it's ridiculous. So, go. Oh God! Who do you think is going to the uh, the Eastern Conference Finals? Who you got? Uh, 
Well, I mean, look. Well, Celtics have, listen, the Celtics have home court. They have, yeah. you know, there's a reason why they 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 fought for that seating. You know, a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of teams will lay down, and you know, they they the Heat, they fought for that home court. Celtics have home court over the Bucks. What do you think? I'll say Milwaukee, Miami. I mean, Miami's easy now. I got two to win one, so yeah, you know, put that in your same game parlay. There you go. That Courtney <laughs> promo code. Oh yeah. <laughs> Promo code Corny on Better Edge. No, no NBA betting for me. Uh, I'm right. an employee of That's Lee. right. I'm yes. sorry. No, 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 no. No, it's totally fine. Yeah, We're all in on the, on NFL season. Um, yeah, football season. I'm I'm I, I rock the fade Fallon. I've got you know fade Fallon merch. Do you know what the fade Fallon means? I do. I'm like, okay, come on. I have a Twitter account. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you see it. You you see my stuff. I know I know that you 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 tweet and you get like eighty seven thousand tweets. No, I don't. No, yeah. most people don't understand what what I'm making fun of. But wait, so are you are you a Pats fan then, or are you like just you don't care anymore? No, I'm a Pats fan, but I'm just um. Yeah, I wrote that down on on my list. Um, did did the Pats have a chance to drop to absolute sheer irrelevance this year? Because I think they do. I I think they go six and eleven. I looking at that schedule. The schedule releases tonight. Do you care? Do you give well, a shit anymore, Ryan? I don't. I, Do you I not? Mean, okay. So I've uh, never cared about the NFL schedule release. By the way, I am literally day to day. I wake up and go, what do I have to do today? So when somebody says, hey, what can you do in three days? I go, I don't know. And so for me to be like, oh, week four at Buffalo, then at Miami, week five, wow. Like, I'm just, I can't do that right now. And I do think there's a weird thing in media where like NFL people try to pretend that like, yeah, but I really like my league, you know? Like, well, oh, listen, I, I'm, a, I'm a, away from week one. I'm like, who cares? See, cool. you're, you're, you like to- you're, you're talking, you're talking to a girl for the last eight years of my life when I was gunning for that job at NFL network and eventually, you know, became the Patriots correspondent and worked at the league. And that was my dream job. And, you know, they told me, they said, give up every other sport. You're not going to let, you're not allowed to watch any other sport. You got to breathe, eat, sleep, X's and O's. Put that in your Wheaties and eat it. They told you morning. you weren't supposed to watch basketball because you were an NFL network reporter. Yeah, no, they they said they said you 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 better immerse yourself and you better that be, better be your language. And so I mean, football's listen, easy. Like, it's on one day a week. I I don't know. There's I love the NFL. Okay, I love college football. I love football. Don't this is not a like any. But there's a weird prideful like no, but I really like the NFL. You're like, well, what? Like, yeah, no, no, no. I like I you really like. Like really? the NFL's, the NFL, you know, like so there'll be some off-season headlines like, oh, the NFL just does not stop. <laughs> you're like, okay, like what, <sighs> what, who, where, what's the award that you're winning? Like, what is your shirt that you get? <laughs> you get a medal, a crown. <laughs> That's so dumb that you. Dude, like, there, are, there are people, Ryan. Yeah. There are people who are doing fantasy football leagues in the middle of April. Cool. I don't understand it. Find me someone who is doing a fantasy football league, a keeper league draft in the middle of May for the NFL season that starts the second week of September. Well, they may want to do it because the draft is over, free agency, and, you know, they, they're I, ready to go. They're prepped up. Know, I don't, it, good. Good for them. Enjoy it. I like the NFL, again, like I said. But it is a comically easy league to pay attention to. Yeah. It's so much easier than any of the other ones. And – like it's not wow you watch all the games on sunday and then the one on monday holy shit how do you do it you sounded like such a masshole there holy shit good 
let's go to the packy man do you, I, I I feel like I feel like you as an NBA guy is like you're just this is this is your this is going to be the promo that just cuts down all of the NFL reporters. My job yeah, as like an NBA the, reporter is so much harder. I'm not a reporter, but it's just it's uh, as an NBA super more, fan. Right, man. it's harder to watch 30 NBA teams over six months than it is to watch 32 teams play basically all their games on one day, except for the Mondays and the Thursdays. And then it's like, man, the NFL, like I've no, no, like the NFL, the NFL's king. Yeah. Like, I get it. I know what the ratings are. I see them too. I'm not arguing it. I'm not I, saying the NBA is a better product. I'm saying it's a, I'm just saying the NFL is a super easy product to follow. Yeah. Last time you were on the show, you, uh, I think you you were surprised that I wasn't buying into all the drama of the NBA. I think we had like a, a heavy discussion about that. So, you know, it, it's once again you are you are uh, you know simplifying simplifying the NFL for me and saying that you know the NBA is a is a much more much more intricate concept because listen, oh, more I, games the NFL, on. The, you you can talk in NFL uh, storylines. I. I feel like you could have a conversation about about the like about the AFC West in the middle of the summer, and just fill up an entire hour of a podcast. I'm not sure. Can the NBA? Can you do something? Can you do stuff like that? Uh, give me your awesome AFC middle of the summer topic right now. Okay. All right. So um, the Chargers defensive the Chargers defensive hall. Um, is you know, and all the money they bought and paid in free agency is not going to pay off against Russell Wilson and um, Patrick Mahomes in the West in terms of competing to be the best team in the division. You know, like like so all the like money the they Chiefs spend in free agency is all for naught. You know, because right. they just got Kyle Vannoy and you know they got Jason right. Jackson and. How's that any different than, like, if if it's September, I said. I like the trade that Knicks made, but they won't be as good as Boston or Toronto. Like it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's not. <laughs> oh, God. And by the way, even though I don't like it, NBA players being like, I'm not playing. I'm done. From a discussion standpoint is better. Like Aaron Rodgers tried to pull the NBA player. Oh, God. Didn't come, didn't come up with any good reasons other than like, there's just a lack of communication. And you're like, no, no, you need to do a better job of convincing me that you've been this wrong party. And then he didn't. And then it was like, ah, maybe I'll come back. Anyway, yeah. yet in the NBA, even though I don't like it, the discussions around, wait, this guy's just not going to play? <laughs> <laughs> or oh, this guy's going to quit during games? Like the, the absurdity, the soap opera part of that, which again can be a turnoff, is still, is still a better... I think discussion point then like do the pass have enough edge guys? <laughs> so, so, I mean they don't. The answer is no. They is never ben, feel like is they ben do Simmons ever. done? Like what I mean, I no, he'll come back. That, it's I not think... the biggest catastrophe of all the NBA. Like I, you know No, it's not a good look, but it's an incredible Is he gonna win is is yeah. he going to win the uh the what is it? it's the, like the uh contract defamation? No, no, it's, it's just um they file a grievance grievance that they should get all the money that they were which was always the plan the entire time um which i said know. excuse me for saying a defamation trial. 
Yeah, like, not not quite that intense. I mean, it's a Ben Simmons against the Sixers. Yeah. Sixers loyal fan base. No, nah, he was always he was always going to do that. So, you know. Yeah. We'll all see right. how it plays out because sometimes you know it'll be like okay, it's zero or all of it, and then the parties are like, okay, I don't want to make zero. And the other one's like, well, I don't want to pay all of it, so we'll see. <laughs> I'm going to make you pay all of it because you have a nicer camo sweatshirt than I do. Right? No way, yours is really expensive. I hope I you know, have a promo code great. for that one. It's an aviator nation. Dude, that's not an entry level. That's not an entry level sweatshirt. <laughs> so you were worried about coming on my podcast wearing an entry level sweatshirt. Only high brand. You've you've seen my collection of vintage t-shirts and stuff. Listen, I bring it every time. Yeah, no, I guess I guess you do. No, I'm very I'm very proud of I'm very proud of my legends brand here. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't want to have the same shirt on as you, so I took it off and then you got upset and I was like, "Oh no." We're getting off to we're getting off to a terrible start here. Uh, so. listen, I could well, only because we match. Girls have a different aesthetic eye than a man, you know. Like the matchy matchy to me is just like one in the same. We're equals. I'm trying I to feel, pull myself I, up to your I do feel level. like an equal now, and that's 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 me. That's an improvement from where we started. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Since yeah, I've been trying to get you back on as a repeating guest. I I really really appreciate it. I know it is bright and early out there, and um sunny los angeles i appreciate you coming on i appreciate the uh the don't ask ryan what he's doing three days out law and rule so you were like monday or wednesday monday or wednesday like hey do you have do you have time friday and i'm like i don't know no so what do you got what do you got going on uh we have a new pod that we're going to release that's mostly based on folk music but um celtic yeah um folk like music? Early, what, yeah what? early 16 1700 range because we don't want to there's a certain time there's a very obvious timeline in celtic folk that you're like past that it's not even worth talking about so we don't know when the launch date is but we're excited about it did you did you uh master in that in, in college i'm confused like did you pick it up did you read no it's just a like, passion really yeah interesting so my dad loves like war books. I mean, he went to Vietnam. So, you know, like he likes to earlier than that. He like, I know I, of course, listen, my last name is Fallon. You don't think I have a, you don't think I have a crest that, 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 I, that my, my That's Irish right. those crests at your Irish buddy's houses. Dad would be like, Fallon. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So it's a, such a Boston thing. So my, yeah. Fallon actually comes from O'Fallon. There is an O'Fallon region in, in Ireland. I think it's in the south so everyone with the last name fallon is somewhat related so we had, look, we had some fallons up in college high school yeah so, yeah yeah there's, there's lots of fallons now now kids are calling their naming their first their the first name of their kid fallon i think that that's a that's a pretty common first name now no kidding yeah Did not know that you think it's you or jimmy fallon um what do you mean <laughs> that the what the fallon is the first name yeah, do you think it's inspired by you in this podcast or like? Yeah, I, I, think, or? I, I think so. I don't know. There's like, uh, but they spell it with a Y. I don't really like that. Mm, Try out. to get fancy. Out. F A L L Y N. I don't know. Ryan, thanks so much for your time. Uh, go Heat. I'm sorry for your Celtics since you already called it. You said Bucks and Heat, Eastern Conference Finals. The Eastern it, Conference it, it Finals. It would save me a lot of grief. It would save me a lot of grief. Yeah, Easter Conference Finals is very quiet now. Boston, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right. All right.